1: to total career success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers, to achieve their potential, and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson.
2: Welcome to the show. This is Ken and Cheryl Dawson with a special guest today, Alan Clark. He's a Vietnam veteran and author of the book, Wounded Soldier Healing Warrior, and it's a a personal memoir that is fascinating, and we'll look forward to talking with Alan about it today. With the many veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, um, he is a a timely message, or has a timely message for us uh, from his memoir, and it's a very personal story of a Vietnam veteran who lost his legs on the combat field, but learned to walk and even ski again. Alan's story of struggle, perseverance, courage, and hope is one from which we can all learn and benefit. He will share some of the lessons he learned through his career in the military, private industry, and government service. Just a little bit more of his background, uh, and then we'll introduce Alan. He graduated from the U.S. uh, Military Academy in 1963 and commissioned in the Army Corps of Engineers. Two years after graduation, he volunteered for a tour in Vietnam where he served as a military intelligence officer. Allen sustained injuries in a mortar attack that necessitated the amputation of both legs below his knees. His military service and sacrifice were recognized with the receipt of the Silver Star for Gallantry in Action, the Purple Heart, and the Combat Infantryman's Badge. While learning to adjust to his disability and to walk on prosthetic legs, he obtained an MBA in finance and investments from Southern Methodist University in Dallas, his private uh, sector careers, investment banking, oil and gas exploration, real estate marketing, and mortgage lending. So he has a a very broad career um, uh, background to share with us today. He later entered public service in the state and national levels, serving, among other roles, as Assistant Secretary of Veterans Affairs. He currently helps wounded and troubled veterans overcome adversity and be all that they can be. Welcome, Alan.
3: Well, I'm delighted to be on your program. Thank you for the invitation.
2: You bet. And um, maybe you could start, Alan, just by sharing with us why you wrote Wounded Soldier, Healing Warrior. Well, Well, many uh, years, uh, indeed, after uh, your experience. Well, in the early
3: 70s, I would just go to social events and, you know, after dinner conversation, I'd tell people some anecdotes of my service in Vietnam and uh, the time in the hospital. And uh, they flattered me to the extent that, Alan, you ought to write this up and, and, and get, a, get a book someday. So I just kept, I began in the 70s and, you know, I'd live another chapter in my life and, you know, write another chapter and just kept kind of adding to the chapters of my life.
2: Oh, interesting. So you've been working on this book for a long time. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a 35 year project at this point. Well, I got published about years ago. Yeah, it's so authentic and I really enjoyed uh, reading it and found it very captivating. You know, uh, how, how have you come to terms uh, with what you experienced on the battlefield and, and during your years of recovery? Well, I look at it kind of like uh, the
3: terms. Uh, the terms have been somewhat a life term uh, with a severe disability with which I've had to deal. In, in a way, it is uh, being in a certain type of prison physically. Uh, the terms uh, have been, you know, dealing with the body, soul, and spirit uh, after my wounds and, and the walk that that's, that has that reflected. But I, um, through the years, and it's been 42 years now, and I, I often thought that I wouldn't be who I am and do what I have done nor uh, try to do what I'm doing today had I not had that experience
4: you know Alan it is so impressive I've uh, just been so overwhelmed quite honestly by your experience and by your uh, stepping out and, and what you're doing is exactly what Charles and I are doing and that's giving back yeah. I mean, we, our country's been so wonderful to us our veterans and not only veterans, but active military are just exactly what this country is all about. and I just truly admire what you do.
3: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm proud to have done, been a soldier to serve my country.
2: You mentioned, uh, Alan, the importance of faith, family, and, and service throughout the book. How did uh, your experience really change your outlook on life? Well, uh, I have always
3: wanted to serve my country, and I always planned on being a career Army officer. And When I wasn't able to do that by my wounds, Um, after I kind of settled down a little bit after a few years, I just kind of inched back into public service. But um, as far as my life, I mean, always, my my faith throughout my life has been the most important thing. And uh, my faith has not really changed because of what happened to me. Um, My family, uh, I guess I'm really much more cognizant of my family as a support network that they were to me, especially my first wife who took care of me when I was first wounded. But, uh, you know, I basically went from service um, in the military to political to to now spiritual uh, service to my fellow veterans and fellow military and, you know, other people that I speak with for. And, you know, my life uh, in my faith, although it's had a significant number of ups and downs, it's always been kind of a plateauing. Um, I've just kind of, you know, gotten into my faith more and more beginning in my early 30s, and it's just been kind of a plateauing of that faith that I've had to fall back on and depend upon with all the other ups and downs in my life, uh, even past the wounds.
2: Well, I think you're right. Uh, every um, guest that we have spoken to, and certainly all the books that I've written about those who face adversity, it is that that really strengthens our, our faith and um, builds our character and helps us to be the people that we were really born to be.
3: Well, you know, in life it's not a, a question of, of having, say, faith in God and and our Lord and, and our different faith. For me, it's my Christian faith. It's not a question of, of not having any more problems. It's a question of having an undergirding to be able to face those problems in a different way and in a better way.
2: Absolutely. And I love, too, that your, your book had some light moments in it. Uh, you had some very humorous stories of dealing with situations in which you're artificial limbs didn't quite cooperate and perform the way you would want them to. Share some of those situations and, and uh, how they were humbling to you and how you viewed them.
3: Well, I have a, a group of classmates that uh, we began getting together about 33 years ago. So we, we have a long weekend together every year. And so all the other guys play golf. Well, one year up in the Chicago area, I decided I'd try to play golf. So I got up there, and I have good strength. I mean, you know, I lifted weights a lot in the hospital and have tried to keep myself in good shape. So we're talking about early early 80s and so i i can really hit that ball it's not it's not very well aimed and there's no there's no a real great thing to my stroke you know but anyway i hit it pretty far down the fairway and then uh my leg popped off it was before i had uh, a much tighter fit on my legs and so forth that they've developed through the years and so my leg popped off and i fell down and there was about four or five guys around my classmates and um and they, they all tried to keep a, you know, it was kind of funny, it, you know. Alan's <laughs> on the ground like this; he's not really hurt, but they all try to keep a straight face. And then that night, uh, they always have kind of a little uh, award for the best golfer and highest handicapper, and so forth. So anyway, I got the I got the award for the for the highest handicap,
4: <laughs> for <laughs> sure. And then
3: um, I, I was dancing one time at uh, some deal. Uh, it was a it was a political event down in Texas, and. Um, I don't know, I started dancing, and I lost my footy, and the leg pops off again. <laughs> and uh, then another time, uh, we were at Six Flags over Georgia, and then my daughter, Elizabeth, who is now 38, but you know she was late teens or whatever, middle teens, we, we went up on a parachute ride. and So you have the little bar there that you hold on to, and your legs hang over. Well, I hadn't even thought about, as we started up, that my dad's oh, legs yeah. were flying, you know, hanging free. <laughs> so I said to Elizabeth, I said, Elizabeth, I'm afraid these legs are going to pop off. And so I said, you hold me, and I'll hold the little thing. <laughs> so, so she held me, and we made it okay. Um, but, you know, these are just modest little things. Those are the funny things. But I tell you what, I've had a lot of sad things because I've fallen so much in my life. I mean, you know, and I've had all these different challenges and problems. I fell at the hospital four years ago and broke my femur. So, oh, no. you know, I mean, it, I've had 20 surgeries. So I have had some funny things. But I tell you what, it, is, it has been a, a long, long 42 years.
2: Well, in in spite of that, I I love the fact that you you tell about how you actually grew in height over
3: the years. Oh yeah, well that's <laughs> kind of an amazing story. I was originally five foot nine as a as a cadet and as an officer, and uh, here I am four foot six. I'm twenty five years old, seven days after my twenty fifth birthday. I'm four foot six. So the doctor comes to my bed and he says, "How tall do you want to be?" And I said, well, "I kind of brighten up. I don't have much to." Much to be bright about in those first few weeks. I said, well, I'd like to be six two because my dad had been six two and my mother had been about five three or so. And he said, oh, "Well, actually, you should be shorter because you walk better." I said, "Well, why did you get my hopes up, even for a short period of time?" I said, "How short?" He said, "Oh, five eight or five seven Okay, so I said, "58, eight Nineteen sixty eight, I go to five uh, eight, and then nineteen seventy eight. I was selected by Governor Clements to, uh, in the first Republican governor in Texas since Reconstruction, to go on his staff, high-level staff position down in Austin. Leave, leave Dallas. So I decided i would to get a new set of legs. I've been doing pretty well for ten years. I get a get new set of legs. Five eleven. And I go to work for the President George H.W. Bush administration as a political appointee at the National Veterans Affairs. And I go up there and I went to 6-1. I came back in 95 after that, went to work for a veterans hospital for nine years, and went ahead and went to 6-2. So I try to finish my talks by telling that story, and it has two two um, goals, you know, kind of final lessons for, for my life. And that's number one, never give up on your goals in life, and number two, grow in all your jobs. <laughs>
4: Alan, very, 20 years later. Alan. Um, Alan, so many of our listeners are um, listeners who are obviously very impressed by everything you're saying and obviously very inspired, just as we are. Share for them, if you would, uh, the military opportunities today. So many of our young men and women who are serving in Iraq and Afghanistan and other parts of the world are just truly amazing people. Uh, oftentimes they don't get to hear someone with your experience share with them the benefits of being in the service. If you would, share your experience and your recommendations for them.
3: Well, there, there are a, a lot of advantages, I, I think, to uh, being in the military. I mean, uh, people go into the military today for a variety of reasons, but they all come out – Typically unless they, they have severe post-traumatic stress disorder or a serious wound, admittedly, which has happened to you know tens of thousands, obviously even in this war, um, with certain things that happen to them, uh, the opportunities are give you an opportunity to grow and in, in, in di- be disciplined in stressful situations, war and peace training and uh, in Iraq or Afghanistan number one. Number two, they teach you the value of teamwork by all means. And even if you're just a member of a squad, you start to learn about leadership because you you, you get lessons in good and bad leadership. The fact is if you want to look past the things it does for you as a person, and look past uh, serving your country and doing something worthwhile in the world—that's important today. And, and with the, the challenges that we have abroad, um, there are certain specific benefits that, that accrue to you if you go into the military. Uh, I am just overwhelmed with the with the opportunities for education, as an example. Uh, you know all the veteran benefits that you're allowed to have, which I'm very well aware of. Uh, just just right down the line that, that people don't really have any grasp of when they go in but the combination of all three of those things are really amazing
2: well, oh, Ellen, side, when we I get back from break we'll talk a little bit more about specifically about your career okay don't go away we'll go be right back okay
5: Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Earn a better job, for better pay, and achieve
1: a better life. With Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition, and through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One Total System user shared,
5: This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to
1: www.tcsworldwide.com and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the Total Career Success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson. And check out our online store for products relating to the book and Total Career Success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success. Better job. Better pay. Better life.
4: Oh, hi, Jessica. Hi, Mrs. Johnson. Is Megan there? Sure. Follow me. The kids are in the kitchen making sandwiches.
5: <laughs> hey, Julie. <laughs> hi, hi, Megan. Hey, Megan. Yeah? You're a total freak. God, you're ugly. And dumb. Oh, and your makeup makes you look like a tramp. Tommy Morris told me you guys made out. Everybody knows. The whole school knows. He said your breath smelled like garbage, and he almost puked. He says you're the most desperate girl he knows. And that dress is totally hideous. You look like a big, fat clown. Disgusting. Oh, and by the way, nice zip. If you wouldn't say it in person, why say it online? Delete cyberbullying. Don't write it. Don't forward it. For more information, visit ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, Crime Prevention Coalition of America, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council.
0: invest
5: stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com america.com <laughs>
1: listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Air at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. We're with Alan Clark today, author of soldier, healing warrior, and before the break, he was talking a little bit about the many opportunities that individuals have in today's military service, and Ken, I knew you had a follow-on. To
4: I do. Um, thanks, Cheryl. Ellen, I, in my Marine Corps training, found the Marine Corps boot camp to be the most unbelievable experience um, I'd ever found in my life, 12 weeks of the most intense training in things you never believed you could do, you found you could do after going through Marine Corps boot camp. I know your armor training was very similar, and once again, for our uh, listeners, you've had a chance to take a look at Job Search and Total System. Many of the principles in there, Alan, are based upon my Marine Corps experience, leadership, dedication, and all the rest. If you would, share your thoughts for our listeners relative to how those skills, abilities that they have can truly lead them to a great career in the military.
3: Well, true. That plus anywhere, uh, practically. But, you know, um, organizations, whether it's military or private organizations that are profit-oriented or nonprofit organizations, or just, you know, just citizenship and in the community, there are certain things that, that need to happen. Number one, you need to be focused. Uh, number two, you need to be personally disciplined. Number three, you need to care about getting things done. You need to, to care about seeing things through. Uh, number four, you need to, to think critically. You need to be able to, to, uh, to, to get into a, an idea and, and to think through it, the positives and the negatives, and, and have the courage of your conviction to make decisions and uh, be able to withstand pressure. I mean, you know, you talk about boot camp. Obviously, that bound all you Marines together. Uh, in, a, in an incredible way, uh, that same way that, that Beast Barracks at West Point did for for all of us cadet classes and, and you know, graduates of the military academy. But all of these things are the kinds of things that that help make you a success in life, and uh, they're, they're they're the same kinds of things. But most people don't focus on them. You know, your your book, The Job Search, brings all these things together in a, in a really amazing way. You know.
2: Thank you, uh, Alan. And you mentioned uh, in the first segment that you had decided to go into the military at a very young age. Share with us a little bit about that decision and then also why you decided to pursue a career in intelligence. Okay.
3: Well, the, um, the, career, the decision to go to West Point was made at age eight, believe it or not. I had very, at a very young age tunnel vision. And uh, all good Army brats, as I was, I was living in Japan at the time when my dad was in the Army of Occupation, collect Army patches. So uh, I found the West Point patch one time, and uh, I asked Dad about it. And he said, well, that's the school up in New York State. That they, It's like a college son, and, you know, chain train officers to be in the military and be an officer like me. And uh, he had not gone to West Point. But he says, now, so-and-so that's a friend of mine's a West Pointer, blah, 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 blah. You point out people, and so uh, I, at a very young age, I mean, I just had this tunnel vision. I said, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Uh, and so, I mean, I didn't even think about any other college. I mean, if I hadn't gotten into West Point, I don't know what would happen, <laughs> you know, because that's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, intelligence, uh, the reason that I went into the uh, military intelligence branch was when I went to Fort Hood, which was my first assignment after West Point, I was a Corps of Engineers officer. And uh, my first wife uh, wanted me to come back to Dallas and live what we call the good life in North Dallas, you know, become a stockbroker, you know, make money, join a country club, you know, and so forth. Uh, and that's not really what I wanted to do, but I wanted to to, to keep my marriage. But I also did not want to uh, leave the military, which I'd planned on being in for a long time. So I, I thought that I could get into military intelligence, possibly I could get into f- the foreign area, specialty program diplomacy, et cetera, be able to stay in. So I transferred to MI, um, and then I went to and. and but I had to volunteer for Vietnam as an MI officer. Uh, my resignation was in before I went to NAM. I knew I had to get out, as it turns out. Uh, you know, Even after transferring to MI, she said, I still don't want you to be in the Army. You know, Get out. So I had to go to NAM, volunteered secretly for Vietnam. So I'm there, and uh, you know, I'm in the military intelligence branch, and I'm just going to be a prisoner interrogator when I first get there. And there weren't any prisoners to interrogate, so I didn't have much to do mm. when I first got to NAM.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting. So when did you actually get in the thick of it?
3: Well, uh, within a very few weeks, I was asked by a lieutenant colonel who had been a tactical officer at West Point to uh, transfer to Special Forces, the Green Berets in Vietnam, and become a staff officer at one of his, what they call a B team, like a a Bravo team, and uh, was up in the Central Highlands. So I, I transferred pretty quickly from my unit that I'd been in, MI unit, military intelligence, and uh, and the transfer didn't happen. I didn't get ordered up there. I asked this old sergeant one time, what's going on? He said, we're starting a a new covert operation against Cambodia, Alan. Uh, no, he, he a new covert operation, period. I didn't know about Cambodia yet. New covert operation, and uh, you're being assigned to that. And I said, well, well, tell me the mission. He says, it's too secret. I can't tell you about it yet. So two weeks later, I find out from a major it's against Cambodia, which was a privileged sanctuary, kind of like... Pakistan has been in the current war where mm-hmm. the Taliban, you know, come into their base camps in, in Pakistan, go across and attack us. Same thing was happening in Cambodia. So we set up agent nets, and I debriefed a, uh, a defector from a Cambodian army that came over to our side. It was probably a double agent uh, and later ended up on the New York Times because one of my replacement officers was accused in, of murdering this man and, and went to prison for it. So, I mean, I got into a lot of very, very interesting Assignments <laughs> and all. I had. I was undercover, covert. You know, new name and false name and everything.
4: John, uh, Alan. Many, uh, many of our veterans today are coming back from uh, Afghanistan and Iraq uh, with PTSD. Many people hear the term but aren't really familiar with it. I am in large part because my younger brother, John, was uh, a Vietnam veteran and uh, got shot up over there. Uh, got the Purple Heart and came back with it, and I I spent a lot of time with him and watching it and having him go through it. Share with our listeners what it is and what we're doing for our military today in that regard. Okay, well,
3: there has been post-traumatic stress disorder for all recorded history. Anytime you send men and, and now women into combat, and they have to, to see people die next to them. They have to carry body bags. They have to carry body parts from an explosion or an IED or uh, uh, an artillery blast in World War II or, um, you know, a tripwire in Vietnam uh, and just the, the pressures and, 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 and everything of combat service um, and, and people being killed next to you and the combination and the threats and just everything, of the totality of that wartime experience settles in your spirit and in your soul when you come back. And many, many cannot rid themselves of uh, of the memories, the sad memories, the bad memories uh, of, of the horror of the war and, and the guilt complexes and, and the uh, feeling the guilt as survivor's guilt because they lived and somebody else didn't, or the sadness of being a POW, or the sadness of being wounded such as I, um, all of these complexities, doing things wrong, and, and, and other people did something wrong that caused a death in the unit. So there's a lack of forgiveness. There's a holding in of the bitterness. There's a, a memory. There's the bad sleep. There's the fear. There's the waking up in the middle of the night and, and you know wanting to choke your wife because you, 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 you've been dreaming about the Viet Cong or the or the, the Taliban or or you know the insurgents and you think your wife is an enemy and so forth. I mean you know I have been through this for. for Decades with talking to veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder from all the wars. And I try to address that on my, on my website. Um, but there, are, there is a lot of help. I mean, the military has put uh, psychologists very up close to the front lines. Um, you know, near, at the base camps, the psychiatrists are up there. They're, 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 they're trying to train the, the leaders to recognize challenges with these people much earlier than 10 years after they get back. Uh, the VA has some very good programs with the vet centers and mental health clinics and so forth, and uh, there's just a lot that, that if people will call upon the help they can get when they have these issues that I've discussed. It's there. The issue is, will they admit it, number one? Number two, will they say, I don't have to be a real tough guy or tough gal and put up with it and just squash it, ignore it, and go on with my life, because that cannot happen.
2: Well, it's really tough to uh, to get on with your life and to succeed in life when you have carrying a burden like that, so we admire the work that you're doing to to help our veterans who are suffering from from this condition. I want to go back just for a moment, Alan, to your point about uh, uh, the uh, intelligence role that you played in the war. and you, I found your book to be very re- revealing about that in particular the use of locals for, for intelligence and the more dilemmas that, that can result. Can you share for just a moment the, the importance of the intelligence in our country's security?
3: Well, um, intelligence has always been important for every country throughout history, uh, but today it's very important relative to uh, what I consider to be uh, dissident elements in this country, um, especially with these uh, radical Islamists. Um, who are not necessarily tied to Osama bin Laden, but they're tied to the the ideology and the philosophy of the radicals uh, who are taking um, their religion over into the political and into the military and into the violent arena. Uh, we have we know that in the last uh, two or three or four years, we have the FBI has discovered certain cell groups that were ready to uh, make attacks in our country, or, uh, or attack bases, or attack airplanes, or attack synagogues, attack. Uh, different places in the country, and it has only been through intelligence operations that those cell groups have been found out. It's not like you know they advertise what they're going to do. So you have to have what you call human, which is human intelligence, to discover what they're doing. And also in the different villages in uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, on the ground intelligence is critical relative to having people that will come to you that believe that it is wrong with the Taliban and the insurgents are doing over there and doing the blowing up and setting the IEDs IDs to tell people this is what's happening. Yes. Yeah. There's going That's to be an attack. Not. Well,
2: when we come back from break, Alan, we're going to tell a little bit more about the lessons you learned throughout your career. Okay. Stay tuned, okay. everyone.
1: Earn a better job, for better pay, and achieve a better life. With Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition, and through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One Total System
5: user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com
1: and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the Total Career Success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson. And check out our online store for products relating to the book and Total Career Success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com Total Success success better job better pay better life
5: an ordinary sunny day an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids and they were doing nothing they were couch slouching they were rug imitating and lazy minute after lazy minute was passing them by when suddenly
4: huh Hey guys, that's a personal foul. Inactive activity on a sunny day.
5: Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Players don't get lazy penalties. Let's play. Those kids, they listened to Reggie. They got up and play they did. There was fun and running. There were smiles and jumping. And laziness was crushed. Hey, kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Kids, listen to Reggie and avoid
0: lazy penalties.
5: Be a player. Get up and play for an hour a day. Go online to check out smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas.
0: So you can be a player, too.
5: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Be
1: a player. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? each Thursday at noon Eastern
5: and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Sheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to On air at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome
2: back. This is Ken and Cheryl Dawson. We're talking with Alan Clark, author of Wounded Soldier, Healing Warrior. Before we move on to some of the other topics regarding your your career advancement, Ellen, I want to pick up um, just the the fact that so many people um, view war as unpopular, and Vietnam was one of those that was particularly uh, unpopular. About two-thirds through your book, you shared an interesting analysis uh, by Bill Moyers. He was the former press secretary of uh, President Johnson, of course, and it helped you to put the war behind you, and and I, you know, having struggled with the loss associated with that war, and I'm about, you know, on the same generation as you, um, and many others uh, have as well, I found it very illuminating. Can you share that exchange with us?
3: Sure. Well, you know, most of us come back and say, you know, why in the world did they, did they run it strategically the way they did? They allowed the Privileged Sanctuary. They... They they wouldn't let us bomb Haiphong Harbor, you know. They wouldn't let us go into the north, and all of these different things. And so when I uh, talked to Bill Moyers in the early seventies, he came as an investment uh, counselor to the bank investment division I worked at, and I hit him real quick with, uh, you know, you were at the other end of the pipeline from me. I'm down the Ho Chi Minh Trail, and you're up there in the White House, uh, you know, uh, war room. And he said, well, actually, Alan, we really did have a plan, and uh, we, we had an, an analysis of what were the different major ways we could go about that war. One of them was to invade the North, which we said we cannot do with American troops because of the uh, international political downfall of that. Number two, uh, we, could, uh, spend, we could take a, a million American troops and spend ten years and probably get all the... Um, communists out of the South, but America is not a patient country. And here we have an eight-year war, <laughs> you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan going on, of course. So we have um, kind of an example of that again. Uh, and number three, um, he said, we, can, we were, we've, we've, what we planned on and what we decided on was about half a million troops in about five years to build up the South Vietnamese army so that they could support themselves and they could fight the enemy and they could win and get them out of the, the major populated areas, etc. Well, you know, that didn't exactly work. I mean, it took, about, uh, it took about eight years also, and we were basically kicked out because of the peace treaty and the negotiations, and so we to get our POWs back. And also, it ended up badly because we withheld the final amount of, uh, of financial help that those people needed uh, in '74 and so, and that's why the country fell in '75. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I wrote this and, and put it in the book and heard it, of course, it it made sense to me and gave me a little clarity to the st- to the strategy that there was a method to the madness.
2: Yes, yes, it it did so for me as well. Well, how did your military career prepare you for leadership in in other roles that you've had?
3: Well, you know, I mean, the combination of four years as a cadet and and, and having leadership, quote, every day, you know, stuffed down your throat practically uh, with the cadet system, and then five years in the military. um, You know, I, I I was basically debilitated emotionally and physically, obviously, soulfully when I got out of the military. So it took me several years. I had to... I went to a closed psychiatric ward because besides just my legs, uh, I cracked in the eighth month of my stay because I was scared. I was scared about walking. I was scared about children, having children at all. I was scared of what I was going to do with my life. So I faced you know, a traumatic turn to get me out of the military and go get retrained and get into a career field. Well, that scared the dickens out of me, and I uh, went four days without sleep and cracked and went to a closed psychiatric ward. Now That's what you call ultimate post-traumatic stress disorder. So here I am in a closed psychiatric ward for 14 weeks, and then um I had to see a psychiatrist for six years. So I had to, I had a lot of, I, I had the the totality of an adjustment, you know, learning to walk on new legs, getting my confidence back, much less getting into the workforce.
2: Yes, it must have been very challenging. So how did you get your uh, first corporate role? Well, um, it was through the West Point Network, and
3: that's one thing that's great about West Point is that we stick together, and especially coming back to Dallas, a lot of my friends really kind of took me under their arm to help me out. Uh, One of my West Pointer friends, a Brigadier General retired, introduced me to Ross Perot. And uh, so in, in the spring of my uh, SMU second year getting the MBA, uh, I interviewed with Ross Perot, and I was originally hired as his personal financial assistant. So I had an incredible uh, business opportunity, but it, it was a, a very high pressure job. You can imagine, I mean, number one, working for somebody like that in 1970. It was just coming upon the corporate scene uh, as a, a real well known business entity, a business a leader in the country. And uh, the, the psychiatrist had told me, "Don't take a high pressure job." I don't listen to orders very well, <laughs> you know. so I so I go and I work for Ross Perot. But I cracked again uh, after about six weeks. I was sent to New York City on a on an investment uh, audit up there with a brokerage firm. So I cracked again, and I had to go to the hospital for a week. So I had to leave. Uh, but but he and another West Pointer, apparently I'm not positive, went down to Republic Bank, which was a big bank in Dallas at the time, and. And got me, a, you know, recommended me uh, for a corporate job there where I worked for about eight years until I went on the governor's staff in Austin in, in
4: uh, '78. Well, and, and uh, Ross Perot is quite a guy. For I, I read the forward uh, to your book, and he, he said something like, Well, as the Annapolis guy uh, recommending a uh, West Point guy. Right, hit. right. But uh, tell, share a little bit of uh, Ross Perot's background. He was really a
3: well, he just was an outstanding an businessman. Uh, he, he apparently made his quota with IBM sales uh, in the first two weeks of the year. And um, <laughs> he, he was really just a super salesman. And so he started his own company with a concept where he would take care of the data processing and systems engineering for a corporation. That was his business concept. And so he, he began to sell that to companies, and he would take over the operation that would be systems engineering and data and they would become EDS employees. So he built up a fantastic operation, and um, he sold that to General Motors in the early 60s, and he has another company called Perot Systems now. He's he's chairman emeritus. He's still very much involved in veteran activities, military activities, and is a supporter of us.
4: One of the stories that really impressed me so much was one of his own employees was, what, kidnapped? Yeah. And he sent in a team to... Yeah, get him out of... Get them out of right. downtown
3: uh, uh, Tehran. That's right. After wow. Khomeini took over in 79. Yeah.
2: Well, you mentioned the importance of networking and getting your, your first role. And, of course, Job Search, a total system, uh, has a whole chapter on networking and, and job leads and yeah. so forth. And one of the things that we have found, that even when you have uh, a strong network and a, uh, to tap, such such as those coming out of the military with their associations and so forth, you still have to know what direction to go in, where your skills and capabilities will fit, uh, how to present yourself, and so forth. And uh, the total system really has helped um, many veter- veterans to get their um, direction kind of compass set. And we also have an online resource for vets where they can um, get some additional help, and that's a, a free site that we have at BetterJobBetterLife.com. Well, that's just
3: wonderful. I mean, you know, going through your book and, and knowing that the commitment that the two of you uh, have to our returning uh, military and our veterans is just fantastic. You know, I mean, at, at any stage of the of the uh, time, when they come out after three years, they come out after retirement, whatever the case may be, and I understand... I'll work with corporations and so forth, and to have this kind of a checklist and to have this guideline. Uh, but the big thing, uh, not only you know, with the kind of checklist and audit and guideline and so forth, is just to, to have, to, to direct yourself to something that is a passion for you, that you really care about. I mean, not just a job but but something in a career field or in a, in a service area or whatever the case may be, that you can use your military experiences, hopefully, and there's a lot that are trained in very high tech nowadays, but to really have a passion for what you do and to, to want to do what you do. And, you know, I worked at the Veterans Hospital for nine years, and it was just absolutely incredible to my retirement four years ago. But to, to get into something where you can get your heart and soul into it and to find out what that is and, you know, your job search and and, and so forth is a, is a way to channel yourself into the right area so that you're satisfied.
4: One of the things that's so critical is that either active military or veterans uh, learn how to enter into the civilian workforce. Oftentimes, the military is very different than how civilians are conducting their business, and helping them with that transition is absolutely critical, and that's exactly what we do. Sure.
2: You mentioned too, Alan, that uh, at one point you decided to go the direction of politics. Can you share a little bit about that career?
3: Yeah. Well, originally it was just uh, it was just volunteering for political campaigns and so forth in Dallas. So for the first eight years after I went to work for that Republic Bank, uh, and I was. I love the military, and I love doing something for my country. I love serving people, you know, the entire country, the cause of freedom. So when I got back to civilian life, I I had to get it. I couldn't just do a job and come home every night, unfortunately, for my family. Okay, you got to, it's a trade-off all the time. But I I got involved in politics, and then eventually uh, I volunteered for Governor Clements' run for governor in 78. And then, you know, out of the clear blue, uh, I'm recommended to be a special assistant for administration. So, I mean, it became a... A, a, a job, then. I mean, but, but a passion of my life uh, to do what I did uh, for two and a half years with Governor Clements, which led un- to an uh, unfortunate abortive um, opportunity that didn't work out in Washington with President Reagan. But then worked out again in the late um, '80s to have four years of, as a, a senior political appointee at Department of Veterans Affairs. And uh, so that that was. Uh, and I've run for office twice. I ran for governor, a uh, uh, treasurer of Texas against who became eventual governor, Ann Richards, and lost. And then I also ran for county judge in Travis County and lost. So I've run the gamut of public service and politics.
2: Absolutely, and you share uh, both the successes as well as the failures throughout your book, which makes it so authentic. When we get back, we've got more to share, so stay tuned.
5: Opinion.
4: Can
5: you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com
1: earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with job search the total system now in its third edition and through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality one
5: total system user shared this is without reservation the best advice on job search available i used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay Don't to www.tcsworldwide.com
1: and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the Total Career Success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson. And check out our online store for products relating to the book and Total Career Success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total Career success, better job, better pay, better life.
0: And now a weather update Winds out of the south southeast at nine miles an hour. Citizens
4: of America, this is a message from feedthepig.org. Do not be alarmed. We are here to help you save yourself. According to public records, Americans spent more money than they earned in 2005. This is the first negative savings rate in the U.S. since the Great Depression. America, we must change our behavior. We need to stop spending every dime we earn and start feeding the pig. We must start putting away a piece of our paycheck. On the 1st and the 15th, we must pay ourselves before we pay anyone or anything. We must make a budget. And yes, even consider cutting up a credit card. And we must tell a friend to do the same. America, to start moving in the right direction. We must start a movement. Join us at feedthepig.org. Find the benefits of saving for every stage of life. Log on to feedthepig.org today.
2: For more traffic updates, brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Self-leadership is more important than corporate leadership. In the hustle and bustle world we live in, we need to be reminded that in all failures and successes, we are the common denominators. Each week, let Daniel Gutierrez help bring you the tools you need to manage self-leadership, resulting in self-success. Make your mark in your industry. Make sure you listen to Right Here, Right Now, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
5: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to TCSONAIR at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. This is Kenneth Gerald Dawson talking with Alan Clark, uh, author of Wounded Soldier, Healing Warrior. And you've shared already a lot of the lessons that you've learned throughout your career, Alan. And you've also been extremely instrumental on a number of fronts with your service, both at the state and federal level. Can you share with you uh, with us? Um, your work in the area of developing national policies to support the disabled. Yeah. Well,
3: it just kind of evolved. Uh, it started very simply when I uh, went on Governor Clement's staff and I was the liaison to the disabled community in Texas. And I discovered uh, a few months before we went into office in '79 that there had been in 70, 1978 a White House conference on the, on the disabled. And uh, I, I found this huge booklet that had ideas and, and suggestions for uh, states to implement uh, programs to help the disabled. Well, I went through there, and I, and I went to Governor Clemens and said, "Governor Clemens, we need to set up a position in your office, direct out of your office, overseen by me, that will take a look at this and, and pull out all the different things that can be done in state government with the entities we have. So we set that up, and we had kind of like a management by objectives. Uh, 79, 80, 81, and so forth. Uh, we put a, a gentleman named Justin Dart, who lived in, uh, uh Austin. He was a, uh, paraplegic from polio, and he became chairman of that. Uh, Justin's um, father was very close to President Reagan. He had he'd been one of the original promoters of President Reagan's presidency. His name was, you know, Dart Industries and Dart Drugs and so forth. So anyway, um, and I think Dart Drugs, but anyway, uh, President Reagan heard about Justin and, and put him in this position to run uh, this national entity, and it, it led to Justin taking what he learned in Texas and what we did there up to the national level. Now, Justin has flattered me, and he's deceased now, but he flattered me by giving me, a, you know, giving me a letter and nominating me for some, re- you know, some recognition because of that. And you know, I have the letter, and I have that in the book, and so forth. You know, I don't know if that's all true, but he made me feel good about it. But he did have a basis to take to the national level. What ended up being. You know um, the disability rights program. That he was really the man that put that together and, and brought it forth and, and, and into the public eye.
2: Excellent. Well, you know, um, we often assume falsely, I would say, that successful people are somehow gifted to succeed. And in the total system, we make uh, we emphasize that each and every person can succeed if, as they, as you said, they follow their passion. And you shared a lesson um, from early in your military career from Captain uh, Burke Lee. Can you share that lesson with us?
3: Well, it was just a real simple thing. I was a I was I guess an 18-year-old cadet
2: and you know, he he uh
3: we have little vignettes of leadership in our uh, semi-annual leadership counseling sessions by our tactical officers, which Captain Burke Lee was at, at West Point in my company M1. And uh, he said, you know, what, well, if you go into a unit and they have bad morale, what do you, what do, you do to build up morale? Well, you know, an 18-year-old kid here thinks <laughs> about entertainment and thinks about uh, your, your private time. I said, well, I get more ping-pong tables and pool tables. And so he didn't just say, oh, you stupid jerker." <laughs> he said, you know, well, Alan, uh, that may be good for their off time, but the, the best way to develop the uh, motivation and morale of a unit is to give them a mission. Give them something to work together as a team to feel good about and to accomplish. I remember uh, the major general for whom I was a, um, a general's aide at the division at Fort Hood, second AD. He had gone into World War II and had taken over a unit that had very bad morale, as I recall. His name was Lieutenant he Retired Lieutenant General Johnny Kelly. Got the Distinguished Service Cross in the combat, but he he took that unit and began doing night training and, and, and night, um, and, you know, and doing everything at night. So. They could operate in the daytime because they could operate at night. So he pulled them together in a very strong unit. And so that's the important thing, to get jobs done and bring people together to, to to see a vision of something that needs to get accomplished and work together to do it.
4: And that's exactly what boot camp is all about, Alan. It's about making people believe that they can do things that they ordinarily didn't believe they could do and yeah. show them how to do it and have them succeed at it.
2: Right, well, Ellen, even uh, even though you have retired, you, you've now written a book. You tell us you're working on a new book, and you continue to speak and volunteer your time. Tell us about uh, your your ministry work.
3: Well, Combat Faith um, is, is one of the legs of a tripod, I would call it. Number one, my book uh, has in it, uh, in the addendum, what I call Battle Plan for Victory. It is a 12-step program to help people with their faith. And so, I mean, it's not just for veterans or military that have PTSD or just have challenges in life, which is a good guideline. So that's number one. Number two, I, I, I do book signings and I go out and give talks of what I call my war story. I have a PowerPoint, and so I talk about my life, the lessons of my life, and so forth. And then number three, the, the most critical thing, and I think most valuable thing for others out there, is www.combatfaith.com. And and that is my website where I have done extensive work over several years to to derive anecdotes that have bothered veterans and military people that have been in combat. And I have got a Christ-based, faith-based approach specifically to address their different issues and to to guide them in in a faith-based way to address these different issues. I have, you know, um, uh, different ideas. I have a six-page, seven-page program there called Battle Plan for Victory. It's kind of my faith walk, story, things I've learned. I've got a checklist for for daily prayer. There's just an awful lot on there. And then on my book website, my book is, of course, part of my ministry, but people can buy my book at www.woundedsoldierhealingwarrior.com, and I can send them an autographed copy. So there's an address there that they can use. But my combat faith is my passion. Linda and I, my my wife, uh, she does Women of the Bible programs, and her website's voices.name. Um, She and I are going together. We went to Fort Benning to the Warrior Transition Battalion to visit a few weeks ago. We're going to Fort Stewart, Georgia. We're both doing ministry to the people there on the post and to the Warrior Transition Battalion, which which is what's set up for the people that have PTSD or wounds and are getting ready to go back to the military after healing or going into civilian life.
2: Excellent. Well, just quickly here, because we only have about a minute and a half left, at the end of uh, Wounded Soldier, a uh, Healing Warrior, you tell a very poignant story of meeting uh, the Green Beret combat, uh, combat medic who actually saved your life. Right. here just that quickly.
3: Yeah. Well, Jimmy Hill, I'd come across uh, once in the 80s and then once in the early 90s in Florida, and I wanted to uh, get some more ideas from him and thoughts and background on history from my book. I couldn't find him because he'd retired from law enforcement and they wouldn't give me his address. He found me. He said he was coming to town uh, to go to one of the NASCAR races in Fort Worth. So I asked him about his Purple Heart. He said he'd never gotten one because when he took care of me and saved my life, he had a piece of shrapnel in his left shoulder that he had for 36 hours until another medic came in and ripped it out. And But he went under fire to get plasma and morphine for me to save wow. my life. So we had a surprise Purple Heart presentation, and two Medal of Honor recipients gave that to him in 2005 at my hospital.
2: Excellent. Uh, wow, that is just a great story. Yeah. And just uh, in close, here, is there any final message that you would like to, sh- to uh, encourage our listeners with who might be facing challenges, whether it's from uh, military service or otherwise?
3: Well, I think people need to do three things. They need to analyze unhealed hurts, unmet needs, and unresolved issues in their life, bring that in prayer, address those issues, pray through them, but never, never, never give up.
2: Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Alan. Next week we'll have a great show for you with Audrey Daniels bringing out the best in people. So be sure to join us next week. Alan, thank you so much.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, right here. Have a great week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program. Brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel.